0: Geeks, and welcome to another Off the Cuff, presented by Planet Geek Productions. Now it has come to that time of the year when it is difficult for the group of us to get together to actually record an actual full-blown podcast. So we are going to be bringing you yet another cobbled together episode, where a couple of the hosts come together and just spout on poetically about certain things that they've either seen or watched or done over the past week. To cover some ground we are going to be talking about some tv shows some trailers some movies and even some comic books so first up we have
1: hello and welcome to geeking off the page i'm one of your hosts trevor brown and i'm going to be talking about um some stuff that came out this week so i have talked about before i don't know if you, you know people are paying attention um But I've been watching Doom Patrol, and this week marked the return of the fourth season of Doom Patrol. Um, I like this show for several reasons. One, the choice of actors, I think, in in my opinion, is fantastic. The writing is hilarious. And there's some pretty far-reaching plot lines that they go with. So season four i'm only going to cover episode one season four of episode yeah season four episode one is called doom patrol Hmm. um and so i'm not going to do a big recap but kind of sometime after the conflict with brother of evil we got um victor stone cyborg and his dad silas have helped fully restore cliff's robotic body but decided to give him something extra. So he starts the, the episode missing part of his arm. And they give him an arm. They tell him that it has nanites that will eventually give him a sense of touch. Now, he doesn't want to touch anything because he says the first thing he wants to touch is his grandson. So of all things, he puts on an oven mitt and then goes, ooh, soft inside. Anyways, um, Cliff decides to convince the team to use the time machine to go to Florida and visit his grandson. But, like usual, they have a mishap. And they end up in the year 2042. They meet up with an older Vic who's explained that the town, Cloverton, had was decimated by the zombie werebutts in 2022. He's the sole survivor. All the other members of the Doom Patrol have remained as spirits in the manor, <clears throat> except for Laura, who disappeared prior to the outbreak. Um, Dr. Harrison learns that her future self had the eventual actions that would result in Kay's death. Um, so she doesn't want to be in con- control of the body anymore. Larry interacts with a gro- uh, grown-up Keeg, the little spirit inside him, who speaks with young Keeg, and the spirit becomes angry. And the team learns that the, the spirits were kind of stalling them so, so Future Vic could grab the time machine, dip back the past, undo the mistakes. So anyway, a horde of butts show up and attack them. This allows the team to escape while Future Vic carves a message um, into the side of the, the ship before being devoured. Um, back in the present, Jane has been given back as the primary persona um, once more, but Kay tells her not to look at her. Keeg refuses to speak to Larry. And the episode ends with Kipling meeting with the Knights Templar, who received this prophecy from this rabbit uh, Ben Bunny, Benbury, Benbury, Bunbury. Um, about the imminent arrival of a Mortis. Now, General Mortis is um he's known as the Forever Soldier or the Forever General. Um he's he's bad news. Um he's like centuries old, he's a you know, genius-level intellect, um, knows about alchemy. All in all, he's just bad news for the Doom Patrol. Now they released two episodes. I haven't watched the second episode. I know it's called Butt Patrol. They make such great... You know, everything's a patrol of some sort. So it's Undead Patrol or Subconscious Patrol. It's always a patrol. Again, good writing, funny. The editing is nice and tight. Um, They didn't have to spend too much time going well in the big recap of. They just get they get right into the heart of it, which to me... Part of what makes Doom Patrol so watchable is it's good writing, good directing, and engaging stories. So I'm enjoying Doom Patrol. My recommendations, if you haven't seen it, go back to episode one. There are some pretty clunky episodes, um, but all in all, having a good time. So enjoy. Thank you for that, Trevor. Also this week... We saw the release of episode three of eight of the show Willow on Disney Plus. Now, I wasn't really highly impressed with the first two episodes of Willow, but I love the movie so much that I was willing to, you know, sit through it, give it another chance, keep going. So we go to chapter three: the Battle of the Slaughtered Lamb. Um, so we just found out that, you know, Alora Dannon is, you know, Dove is Alora Dannon. Now she's having trying to come with a uh, come to terms with, you know, does she have magic? Is she good at magic? So she's stru- struggling so hard. um, but she has such trouble actually activating her powers. But at the end of the last episode, she, she had created a sapling. Now her companions are attempting to rescue her and fight off Ballantyne who's infected his men um and these disciples intend to deliver Alora to the Crone who's going to banish her from the mortal realm because if they kill her she'll just be reborn in a new body um so she manages to escape she meets up with two woodcutters uh Hubert and Anne who were pretty cool kickass ladies I have to admit um but then they're killed by Ballantyne and his men um Meanwhile, um, Kit and Borman split off from the rest of the caravan to go retrieve this, this chess plate, the, the Lux Arcana, that her dad actually was looking for, Mad Mardigan, um, in a tomb infested with were-rats. Um, meanwhile, Ballantyne and his men continue the journey with, with the captive Alora, and Willow and the others intercept them, and a nice battle inter- like, ensues. Um... And it's kind of like a seesaw battle going back and forth. But then Silas, uh, one of the originals from the movie, Willow's you know, fellow warrior, Nelwyn, is killed. Um, and Graydon is infected with the same thing that Valentine has been hit with. And this is the first time we see Willow actually use magic. And he uses it to obliterate Valentine's companion, Weakens Valentine. This allows Valentine to temporarily reg- regain his senses, and he implores Jade to give him a mercy killing. And it ends with Willow knowing where they were taking Alora, and what the ramifications are. And it's the same fortress that um, Morta had intended or to take it. Now, the problem I'm having with the series is. They know what Alora Dannon is supposed to do, what what she's her prophecy is for her to do. And, you know, I guess after Finn Rizal vanished, that only left Willow as one of the few magic practitioners. And instead of saying, hey, maybe Willow should be teaching Alora." They do flashbacks and you see Sorsha, you know, Willow and Flor, Sorsha, Queen, well, Queen Sorsha now, this huge falling out. She refuses to have him train to Lord Dan the magic She even goes, I mean, What are you going to do, teacher? You're vanishing pig act. And I, I'm just trying to, you know, it, he saved her and everybody in the movie Willow, and she seems to conveniently have forgotten that, um, which is a dick move. But, you know, they also, you know, there's this whole thing where. The the Nelwyn are still you know called Pex and the the Daikini or the humans and I like some of that but at the same time he saved everybody lady you know maybe he could actually teach her some magic because he does have magic because he you know was able to transform Rizal back to a human so um yep yeah, shove it anyways um so the series the series has like what. Five more episodes. It'll be interesting to see where they take it. Um, I don't know if they have any more seasons after this already planned, or they're going to see kind of where this goes. Um, so, my opinion of Willows: it got off to a bit of a rough start, but it's starting to to ramp up nicely in a in a way that's uh, fun to enjoy.
0: Next up, we have.
1: So, the recent Game Awards came out this past week, and a lot of trailers for upcoming games kind of you know landed all at once and wow um there was stuff for Warhammer 40K the the new Star Wars um i there were just so many games they they they, they you know they got we got to see the trailers of. Um, I didn't get to watch much of the actual um, award ceremony. I know Chris Judge won for uh, Kratos, which deservedly so. It's just, it's mind-boggling all the games that are coming out. Now, unfortunately, I really don't have time to play any of them. I wish I did, uh, but I don't. So, I'll watch some videos of other people playing it to get a sense of you know what they've done. And I want to kind of keep my finger on the pulse of what's possible so far. Um, and the one problem I have with a lot of these games is it's a lot of the same sort of look at what we can do with the technology um, and kind of like skipping some of the story aspect. And you see some of the other, like, you know, like 18 hours of story. um. Guys, that's not a lot. That's really not a lot. Um, if it takes 18 hours to beat your game, you didn't put enough into the game, um, and you can't just fill it with side quests. Oh, we're going to pad the total with side quests. That's, I think that's my current outlook on a lot of games: is very short actual storyline, and let's let's pad everything out with side quests. To you know, I just just work on the story, guys. Please, please, please. Work on the storyline. So yeah, so there was stuff for uh Cyberpunk, Phantom Liberty, um, Destiny 2, Lightfall, as I said, Warhammer 40k. Um, some games got the release dates like Armored Core 6, um, Diablo 4, um, the new Star Wars one, um, which the name just just escaped me, just as I said. And I said, yeah. Um, seeing Chris judge win uh, best performances Kratos and getting to meet you know Pacino was pretty damn cool. Oh, return to Castlevania dead cells that's that was a big one for me. Um, I've been a big fan of Castlevania since right back to the very first one um back on the NES I'm gonna do a little side thing. So back when I got the first Castlevania which by the way was the first game other than Super Mario Brothers I ever had on my Nintendo. Um, I got up to the fifth boss, the Reaper, and the game would always pause. And I always thought maybe I would, I had done something wrong. And then I got other games like Legend of Zelda and, you know, the usual round of, of ones. And I remember this is the first time I ever wrote a video game company. And I wrote Konami and I said, I think there's a problem with this game. It keeps freezing at this one spot every time. Just as I enter the stage with the Reaper, the game freezes and nothing happens. And I expected nothing else to come of it. and it was couple months later i get a package in the mail and it's a fresh castlevania f- and i was like oh my god and there's this letter you know basically thanking me for for letting him know that there was a bug in the game um that you know in the months since it had, i had got my copy i this was a new new copy where they had fixed the bug um, and they said I could either keep. They they would prefer if I would mail them the the bugged version, um, but I could keep it if I want. I was under no obligation to mail it. I did mail it back to them, um, just because I was so happy to be able to play the game to completion and kick Dracula's ass. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, you know, this is back before, long before the days of the internet. Internet, and it was pretty cool that they would do this. I mean, it was probably nothing to, like pennies for them to to send me a new one, but you know twelve year old kid this was this was a big deal um so yeah, jedi survivor that's the name of it um anyways, that's all I can say about the uh the the game award trailers that have you know they they flooded youtube um and yeah, great time looking forward to a lot of it
0: thank you for that trevor next up we have our man from vancouver gavin now unfortunately upon receiving the recording from gavin it turns out there was a problem with his microphone so unfortunately his volume is quite low but it is still can be heard you're just gonna have to maybe bump up your volume on your end but when he comes to the very end be sure to turn it right back down because then you'll hear me yelling in your ear so gavin what would you like to say
2: Hello and welcome to another ad hoc episode of Geeking Up the Page. I'm Davin, as always, and tonight I'm going to be talking about Violent Night starring David Harbour. When you see the trailer for the first time, I think it's. there's a certain first impression that kind of sticks with you. When I saw the trailer, Violent Night felt a bit like Die Hard meets Home Alone, but Harry and Marv get a much less Looney Tunes style treatment. I'm happy to report. It absolutely held up to my first impressions in a very good way. David Harbour stars as the de facto Santa, Claus drinking in a bar, who, upon first glance, feels like Billy Bob Thornton's Bad Santa Meets Miracle on 34th Street. We soon discover that he is, in fact, the real deal, the real magical Santa who instills wonder on a bewildered bartender who promptly gets puked up. Pretty much sets the mood going on from there. It opens to a Christmas get-together with a clearly very wealthy family getting ready to celebrate uh, Christmas only for John Leguizamo's Mr. Scrooge, take, uh, to take all of the attendees hostage. Santa, after noting that Trudy, the daughter of one of the family members, is on the super duper extra good list, realizing he's the only one who can save Trudy, he embarks on die-hard shenanigans, taking out various headsmen in an absolutely brutal fashion. Along the way, we discover he doesn't quite understand how the Santa magic works, but he draws on it in very quite visceral ways, inclu- including discovering he hasn't always been Santa and, in fact, was a very bad man with a hammer. Trudy convinces him to take up the hammer to very gory and bloody ends. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything else, because to watch David Harbour grumble his way through things Bruce Willis-style is a joy to behold. His creative ways of using almost every Christmas trope possible to kill, maim, and injure result in uh, cries of shock and laughter in the audience. I will mention there is a truly inspired and savage homage to Home Alone with Trudy at the center of it, and well, it's two parts slapstick, one part hostile, watching it unfold. If you are not squeezed to violence, Violent Night might be the cathartic Christmas story fans of Die Hard would find entertaining. I will say my partner also enjoyed it quite a bit, although she did not quite appreciate the gore or special effects, but all said and done, she had a great time. Honestly. I really enjoyed it. And I think if you're a fan of Die Hard, you will definitely enjoy it. Seasons beatings, everyone.
0: Thank you for that, Gavin. Well, I guess it comes to my turn now and to uh, let you uh, know that uh, I'm going to be the one talking about the comic books this time. So as it turns out, through social media that we subscribe to through the podcast, uh, there is a lot of uh, different accounts that have actually uh, covers comic books as a general thing. Is That's what they do. They post up things, post up pictures, and especially, you know, the Wednesday polls. So this particular week, actually, a couple of titles, uh, two in fact, actually caught my attention. And I figured, you know what? I haven't read comic books in a while, so uh, let's see what these are all about. To begin with, both titles that I am about to talk about are very close to the core of what makes Troy, Troy, and... This will explain what uh, goes on of why I actually picked these two particular titles to talk about. Or actually to actually go out to an actual physical comic book store and purchase them. So this week in particular, we actually had uh, Dynamite Comics uh, releasing the first issue of Disney Gargoyles. Written by Greg Wiesman and illustrated by George Combatius. I believe that I have um, not quite captured that last name properly. I apologize to anyone that gets offended by me mispronouncing that name. But the name did not seem familiar to me. But that's where it is when, you know, you're out of the comic book loop for so long. Now, to begin with, I have to point out the fact that uh, this particular issue, again, Gargoyles, number one, by uh, Dynamite Comics, uh, is actually issued with multiple covers. Now, I'm not talking to... I'm not talking 3. I'm talking 78 different covers. Actually, if you go into the back pages of this particular issue, you will see that there are four full pages of the alternate covers and all their different actually uh allegations, their titlings of what how you refer to each of these different covers. It also credits each of the different artists that have done the different cover arts. So, where they start simply as, like, cover A, cover B, cover C, and so forth. The one that I particularly picked up is covered Z-I, and that is also listed as a 10-copy FOC incentive, which is Purple Line Art by Amanda Connor. Now that uh, FOC, I have no idea what it is. I'm pretty sure if someone is out there, they can uh, probably, hopefully, point out to me what... Uh, an ADIM by not realizing what those letters mean. So, what this particular issue is, is basically what it does is it basically re informs you about what the Gargoyles universe is all about. It is all from the point of view of Detective Elisa Maza. And it actually... The storyline actually seems to take place after the uh, the actual animated series has ended. So it's a continuation of the storyline beyond this. So a couple of things that is... We are reintroduced to all of the known gargoyles that we know. We uh, also still have um, a Detective Mazza's uh, partner, Detective Matt Bluestone. But, of course, we are introduced to our regular... Uh, trove of characters we got our Goliath we have our Lexington we have our Broadway we have our Brooklyn Bronx and Hudson we also have Goliath's daughter of Angela who in this particular storyline is apparently dating Broadway in his brief introduction of Brooklyn we are uh, shown that uh, Brooklyn Himself has a eye patch on. No explanation in this particular issue, but the fact that he is actually um, a, a mate with uh, Katana, which is a one of the uh, gargoyles from uh, feudal Japan, and the two of them have a son called Nashville. Now, that's not the uh, only relationship that has evolved since the ending of the series. Apparently, Maza and Goliath. Are in a relationship and it seems to be physical as well. Now there is Coldstone as well is part of this uh, tribe of gargoyles and there is also a robotic gargoyle that goes by cold fire of which I do not remember her being in it. She is basically the downloaded essence of one of the gargoyles into it so I can't remember knowing this character before. The nice thing about the uh comics is uh, the comic is that it's not accurate directly to the actual animated series, but it is a very well loyal to the design of all the characters. You look at the characters and you instantly recognize who it is that it is on the page and all that. Plus this issue re in reintroducing all the characters to is a nice way to start there isn't much more to the story than that it's just a hey here's these characters here's what's going on in the world right now and that's where we are with this particular first issue uh it is something that i will probably pick up the next issue and probably a couple of issues after depending on how long this is going to run because i am a fan of the gargoyle series and this looks like a nice so far could good continuation of the series (laughs) And this next uh, comic I'm about to talk about is actually the uh, book two, as it's actually referred to, of a uh, ongoing series. And that is, uh, again, thanks to those uh, guys on TikTok and uh, on the whole entire Instagram feed. This is uh, DC Comics, which is something I haven't collected in the longest time. Batman and the Joker, the deadly duo. And this particular week, uh, this is actually listed as the Black Label series. So it's a lot darker than your regular run-of-the-mill sort of thing. Actually, the really nice thing about it is the actual... A presentation of the comic is kind of cool it's got a much thicker cover and they have a glossy cover uh, like a image to them and all that and it's the nice uh, high quality paper on the inside great uh, colors and whatnot and um, there's absolutely no ads within this particular series or at least these first two issues so like I said the second issue came out this week uh, so I went back to collect the first one thankfully it was there Thankfully, the price hadn't been jacked up or anything. Um, So it was just regular comic book uh, cover price. Oh, yeah, and to mention back uh, just a couple steps here that the Gargoyles was actually $3.99 for the issue, and that uh, each of the issues of uh, the uh, Batman and the Joker was each uh, $4.99. So it's been a while since I bought a comic book, and wow, there you go. Four to five bucks for a comic. I guess that's what the going price is right now. So, Batman uh, and the Joker, the deadly duo, is uh, brought to us by Mark Silvestri and Arif Prianto. Silvestri providing the story and the art, and Prianto doing the colors. So while it is the first two issues of the series, uh, the first comic book just gives you an introduction of what is going on in Gotham. The uh, second issue, or book two as they are referred to on the covers, uh, they basically gives a little more of the backstory and the actual basically team up. What has happened is out of the two issues we've collected, I've collected so far the storyline as someone has gotten out there, they've been able to find somehow to muted mutagen like style the formula to turn the joker into the joker and has made an army of these uber zombie joker characters now what has happened is this person obviously has a, a deal for the joker to do it because the actual series starts off with harley quinn uh in uh captivity and so uh apparently this person has harley quinn captive and is making joker do all sorts of things we then find out that uh, joker then actually has to ask batman for his help uh, to help him figure out this uh, situation because um it's bad for business with all these joker like characters around going around creating mayhem in his name that is not being done by the Joker. Uh, so to uh, guarantee that the jo- that the Batman helps out the Joker, uh, we have uh, the Joker has kidnapped Gordon, and uh, it turns out that uh, he's got him held captive somewhere unbeknownst to him, and if the Batman doesn't help the Joker, that uh, Gordon's going to come to quite a bit of harm over the next little while. So um, it's kind of cool. These are like uber strong characters in like his first encounter with it. Batman ends up breaking his hand by punching one of these guys in the face. That's how strong they are. Um, They're not that well coordinated, but uh, when they do attack at one point en masse, they they basically almost take out the Batman. And it's actually uh, Joker's almost falling to his death that Batman allows the two of them to escape their horde and all that sort of thing and but it's really kind of cool i mean we've just uh, been introduced to uh dick grayson and um alfred have just helped uh bruce recover from an attack he was bitten by one of these uh mutated joker zombies and um so that's where they find out that it's some sort of chemical construction that someone is amping up these creatures to do mayhem for what particular reason we don't know why but that's where we are right now and so far it looks really cool uh it's kind of neat the little uh voice uh, boxes that carry on the conversation depending on who it is there's a little symbol in the corner of each of the different uh, squares to note who is actually having this thought or something like that um, so it's it's kind of cool. i'm I'm really enjoying it so far., uh, the style is uh, kind of cool. It's a little erratic. It's uh, very different from everything else. And um the thing that I pretty much figured what I thought was going to happen is as I'm reading this story, um, all the voices are being provided by the voice actors that basically did all the characters in. Batman: the animated series so I mean I knew going into this that no matter what I was definitely going to be hearing Kevin Conroy and uh, Mark Hamill as I read through the comics but as it turns out uh, all the other voices popped in there just as easily um Bullock is also in this, so we've got that and like I said Gordon and and Robin well technically he's Nightwing but anyways uh, so that's what we got and I'm, I'm looking forward to picking up more of this because it it's so far it's, it's really intriguing um, and it's uh, like I said it's one of the more adult uh, stories um, because like I said it's the black label from DC so it's a little more it, it has a no one under age of 17 should be picking this up sort of thing like a 17 plus rating on the back of it so I'm enjoying it and you know what like I said I've been out of collecting comics for a while and uh, this is a good start and Again, thanks to the interwebs and the social media for pointing out these particular things. If I, if anything else captures my attention, I'll probably do that. Now I just have to set uh, my calendar to remind me, hey, you got to pick up uh, gargoyles and you got to pick up the new uh, Batman and the Joker this week. So. <laughs> all right so that's going to bring us to the end of this uh, episode of off the cuff brought to you by planet geek productions i want to thank you everyone for uh, listening through i want to thank my fellow cohorts for uh, contributing to this particular episode and uh, hopefully uh, before the end of this year we'll get another actual geeking off the page episode uh, done together where a group of us come together and actually discuss between us different things that are happening in the geek sphere
1: and And so this has been yet another episode of geeking off the page kind of like a side cut you know riffing off the cuff that sort of however you want to call it and uh thanks for listening
0: and then all we have to do is just say our collective goodbyes and well i don't think any of the guys have actually said their collective goodbyes so i'm just gonna say collective goodbye they're gonna listen back to this and think like what the hell troy you should have given us the cue to do that but no you know what i'm gonna get that reaction all right thanks for tuning in everyone you have been listening to off the cuff our planet geek production please be sure to subscribe share Rate and review. You can find us at our social medias through Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Search for Planet Geek Productions. On Instagram and Twitter, Planet Geek Pod. Or you can send us an email at planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until next bad time, same spider channel, may the force be with you, and thanks for tuning in.
1: Do, 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 do. Here, there.